Insight. What's going on? We are back here for another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast, presented by Caneswear. I'm your host, managing editor of Canes Insight, Stephen Adams, and you know we have another great show for you guys today. On tap for today's episode, D Money and I are talking spring football. What's been going on these past couple scrimmages? Who's standing out? Strengths of the team, weaknesses of the team. All that and much more heading into this weekend's spring game. Again, that's Saturday, April 16th. Open to the public. It's free. So get on down there if you're trying to watch some Hurricanes football. Our first opportunity to see this Hurricanes team under Mario Cristobal in a somewhat of a game environment. And it's going to be your last chance until the fall. So you got to get down there. And if you can't, it's on ACC Network. So you'll be able to watch and view it on there as well. So we're going to talk a little spring. Got some recruiting news as well to touch on. Frankie Tinilau often to tackle from Australia. Just committed to the U today. So D-Money and I are going to give our takes on what that means for this offensive line. As Mario Cristobal, you know he's trying to rebuild the trenches. So he gets another big addition with Tinilau to add to Maryland's Antonio Tripp, who committed earlier this spring. And also some programming news and notes. Be on the lookout for an additional podcast on Thursday featuring Pittsburgh, California quarterback, five-star, Jaden Rashada, the Hurricanes top 2023 quarterback recruit is coming on the Canes Insight podcast for Thursday to talk about what's been going on with him this offseason, his recent visit to the Miami Hurricanes, how he liked that whole experience, and where the Canes kind of sit in his picture as his recruiting process goes along and starts to fill out. So that'll be an interesting talk. Be on the lookout again for that on Thursday. So we got all of that and much more coming right up. But first, you know, we have to check in with our guys over at Caneswear, your one-stop shop for Miami Hurricanes apparel and gear. With the spring game on the horizon this weekend, I know you're asking yourself, Stefan, how close is Caneswear to DRV Pink Stadium where this spring game is going to be held? Well, great news for you. Caneswear is less than 20 minutes away from the stadium in Fort Lauderdale. I know you guys already know Caneswear is off University Drive in the Arrowhead Shopping Center in Davie, but for Saturday during and after the spring game, Caneswear is going to be having special extended hours from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Again, that's Saturday. April 16th from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Go on into Caneswear. Get your Hurricanes gear. Maybe you want something new for the spring game. You head on over to Caneswear just before the game starts. Or maybe you're pretty hyped up after the orange team beats the green team and you want to keep it going. We'll head on over to Caneswear. They have you covered as always. But if you're not trying to rush all around on the day of the game, come into Caneswear the day before on Friday, April 15th. If you're there from 4 to 7 p.m., you'll get a chance to meet Lance Leggett, former Hurricanes wide receiver. His boiled peanut company, Taste One, is going to be there with some other Hurricanes friends giving out free bags for the first 50 people. With Lance at Canesware is going to be Amon Richards, Sonoris Moss, Lamar Thomas, Stephen Wesley, John Beeson, and Brian Monroe. So you'll get a chance to meet some former Hurricanes. Try some boiled peanuts and support a Hurricanes guy in Lance Leggett. Should be a fun event. Again, that's Friday, April 15th, starting at 4 p.m. Remember, Canesware is your number one stop for all your Miami Hurricanes apparel and gear and you can head on over to caneswear.com where orders over $99 ship for free you got nothing to lose and everything to gain over at caneswear your one-stop shop for Miami Hurricanes apparel and gear how do you caneswear we are back here on the Canes Insight podcast as always talking spring football talking hurricanes as always and uh, we're joined with our guy D Money and uh, we're going to break down some Miami Hurricanes spring football, what's been going on at practice, 
We got the spring game coming up this weekend, the 16th. So that should be big in terms of just parsing out who's who's moving up the depth chart, who's impressing the coaches, what the strengths and weaknesses are of the program. And we're going to get a little bit of insight on that, a little pre-insight um, to what we might expect from the spring game, all that jazz with our guy, D Money. So let's bring him on. What's going on, D? Yeah, doing awesome. Uh, you know, Canes baseball, number two in the country. Canes basketball just finished Elite Eight. And football-wise, man, spring practice is like nothing else we've seen for reasons we'll get into. And we're just getting started. Portal season is really about to, to heat up and cook. Recruiting season is a full-blown. Uh, so it's going to be very, very interesting the next couple months. And it's going to carry us right to the season with a lot of action, uh, a lot of things that we haven't talked about with Canes football in a long, long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. That How about that Canes basketball run, too? That was fun. But uh, now we're, we're, we're back into the, the throes of spring football. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, you know, it's been a couple of weeks, you know, we talked, I remember the, you know, the first week of spring, second week of spring, but, uh, you know, a lot has changed since then. There's been a couple of scrimmages, D-Money, you know, I know you got the exclusive scoop of what's been going down. Uh, you know, media has not been allowed at those spring scrimmages. And of course, at the actual practices, media only has a limited view of what's going on you know, a limited window of time they can actually uh, be be there viewing. So uh, we're going to be able to talk with you and uh, get a little bit more inside scoop of what's been going on here um, in practice. So uh, just general, let's start with the general takeaways of, you know, what we've heard, what we've seen, and then uh, we'll start talking a little bit more specific, maybe more specific positions or specific players. But uh, first off, just generally overall takeaway, you know, what, what has been your overall thoughts um, from spring thus far um, heading into the spring game? It is truly a fast-paced practice. Every coach says they want a fast-paced practice. Manny's practices were fast-paced at times, particularly on offense with the no huddle. But it's the difference between offense playing fast-paced and you know some a little bit of running from drill to drill, and then just the speed and efficiency which with, with what we're seeing today. This is what you have when you have three times as many coaches. A guy completes a drill, immediately gets instruction right when he steps away, uh, and it's it's all the ratio of player to coach has gotten so much better that you, you can't, no matter how fast you want to go with a smaller staff, you just can't do it. You can't replicate what these guys are doing. So that's the first thing anybody going to practice is going to see the pace, the intensity, and then the size of the staff. Also, you know, for me personally, having seen a lot of Mandias practices and then seeing these, the physicality in practice is much, much different. Now that's not unusual for the first practice with the new regime. Uh, Rick in 2016, when Manny first took over the defense and when Rick first took over the team, uh, that was a very physical practice to kind of weed people out, but nothing compared to what we are seeing here. Oregon had a lot of injuries. I bet some of that has to do with how physical they were in practice, but there's a give and take. The team was physical on the field and they were running over people. So is that the cost that you uh, accept to have a physical team? Mario obviously sees that we need to get more physical and he's not worried about banging up the players. He's going to test them and see what they got right away. So just take on drills, getting off blocks. Uh, you're seeing that so, so much more uh, with these practices. I, I mentioned the last time we had this, this spring preview, but it's gotten only gotten more physical as time got, goes on. I feel like they're never in, you know, helmets and shorts. It's pads, it's shells. And, and when they had those on, they are really, really cracking them, popping them. So uh, that's been an, ex an extraordinary difference you're seeing right away. Um, you know, comparing first scrimmage to second scrimmage, first scrimmage, the, the defense was all over it. You know, I thought the offense was doing better to start practice. That's what I've been, what I'd heard uh, to start the camp, I should say, in spring. And then in the, in the first scrimmage, the defense, surprisingly just took over and dominated uh 
Now this scrimmage, you were seeing a shift back to the offense, and we'll get into the specifics as we go through it. But you know, back and forth with those two units, I'd say offense probably further ahead overall uh, when you look at the spring in its totality. And then you know, the last thing is we need we need some help. There, there's significant issues. Once you get to the third team, you're talking about walk-ons. You got to go to seven on seven because you don't have enough players. So so that's been a theme, and you're seeing that with some of the portal activity that we've been talking about on this podcast uh, for a while now and previewing. So uh, that's general, but you know I know that people want to hear specifics and and exclusive information. So uh, so get right to it. Yeah, man, it's it, it, that was kind of the general take after that spring, that second scrimmage was, uh, you know, the offense being a little bit more ahead of the defense in that one, at least. And that's a little bit surprising. You know, you, you always see the defense, you always hear about the defense being a little bit more ahead in these scrimmage type situations during spring, uh, at, just after you're going through these, uh, you know, practices, all the installs and everything. So, I mean, you know, it, it, you could you could have the take either way, you know, what if that's good or bad, if that's better for the offense or actually worse for the defense. But, uh, you know, it's, again, still spring with this new coaching staff. There is a lot of players uh, maybe that don't fit the system. There's a lot of uh, maybe a lot of guys that just aren't quite cutting it for Mario. He's just got to kind of figure this out and get more familiar with this roster. That's what this whole spring is really about, to set themselves up to get some guys that we're going to talk about from the transfer portal going into the fall and going into the summer and everything like that to really kind of uh, flesh out this roster. So uh, D money, let's talk some strengths of what we've, we've seen and heard from the team. You know uh, you know, you can be as general or specific as you would want, but um, I'll just kind of leave it to you. You know, what are some of the strengths and uh, if that's a specific player or a specific position group um, you know, what, what are, what are some um, players or positions that are really standing out right now? Sure. We can start a quarterback. Tyler Van Dyke had a great scrimmage uh, on Saturday. He has everything you, you hoped he'd be. Um, you know, not much to be said about him, except he looks like he wanted to look. Uh, Garcia was really kind of rough to start. The first initial transition to Gaddis's offense was, you know, it was a little rough, uh, taking off and running more than you'd like to see from him for a guy that's not that athletic. Um, but he settled down and I mean, he makes some unbelievable throws and, and really nice flashes, particularly when throwing to, to Jaleel Skinner, who we'll talk about. Uh, and Jakari Brown, tremendous physical talent. He's the same size as DVD, whip-like arm, a lot of arm strength. Uh, that room in general is just outstanding. Uh, the other room I'd want to focus on, tight end. Uh, you don't have Mallory out there, but it hasn't really mattered. Arroyo, uh, extremely big and physical, true wide tight end, even though he has some ability to flex. Um, and also has the ability to play that H-back, be in the backfield, and and you know serve as kind of like a fullback on these power runs and just wedging uh, gaps open with his with his physicality the guy is really unusually physical for for a tight end in terms of just you know hitting moving targets taking on these defenders and uh and knocking it back it's you're never going to see something like that for mallory brevin jordan not really i mean i'm having trouble thinking of the last guy that was that physical in miami particularly somebody who can, can catch the ball maybe since bubba franks i mean if we're talking or kevin everett maybe if we're talking about guys who can catch and who can block uh, his physicality really, really fits what Crystal Ball's trying to do and uh, has been very impressive. And then Jaleel Skinner, man, uh, I didn't know he was this good. You know, I thought he was going to be a little raw when it came to catching the ball, when it came to running routes and just be kind of a long, fast, you know, gazelle, uh, kind of like a baby giraffe is still getting into his body. But uh, he's coordinated, man. And he, catch, he catches it consistently, um, which I didn't expect. At least he has practice. And then the speed is real. And, and the strength is getting there uh, in the scr- second scrimmage. He had a play where he caught the ball uh, against the first team. About six guys fell off him: James Williams, Avante Williams, 
you know, first team dudes and he was brushing them off and, and scored a touchdown. Plus he scored another one uh, on a blitz where uh, Garcia picked it up, hit him and he, and he went for like, I don't know, 50, 60 yards. So really a, a talented guy and, and a great room that is a strength of the offense uh, on the defensive side of the ball is probably less strengths, but you know, safety, Avante Williams, the physicality he plays with, he's 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 out there hitting, setting the tone. Um, and then James Williams kind of reminds me of Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas when you had him in Seattle. You got the rangy guy up top, Avante Williams in the Earl Thomas role, and then James Williams, the Cam Chancellor role. Kevin Steele wants to play that cover three, so schematically it shouldn't be too much different than what you saw with Seattle. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's you have the ability to do that. When Cam catches comes back even better, uh, he can also play that Earl Thomas role. And Brian Balaam uh, has done some nice things in, in, in spring at safety. Also, Al Blades has played a lot of safety, particularly in the second scrimmage. So you can look at Al Blades uh, as an option in that safety room. Uh, he's done a nice job at nickel as well. So I'd say those are those are the positions of strength. You know, more on offense than on defense. Defense, some major holes that, you know, we could, we could talk about. Kind of segues perfectly to, uh, you know, our next our next topic is would be the weaknesses and, you know, kind of the holes on the roster. Again, just something, um, you know, Mario is, is constantly evaluating, just getting to know all these new players. And, uh, you know, he's going to have that opportunity to bring in some of these guys in the transfer portal once he kind of realizes, uh, you know, where the holes on the roster are and where he needs to upgrade to make this a, a championship ACC, at least com- competitive roster. Um, so, uh, D money, you know, what are the kind of weaknesses at this point or places that Miami can improve on heading into the, into a spring game and over the off season? Yeah. Right at the top front seven, um, Harvey has improved since the beginning of spring. He's been really disruptive in the two scrimmages, uh, and it's starting to come on, but you don't love him as an every down player, probably better as a designated pass rusher. Um, maybe as a, as a backup defensive end, but somebody, somebody who plays, but you don't want him as your ever down defensive end. I don't think uh, chance Williams has really improved his physicality against the run. This guy's a weight room machine who plays hard, uh, but you know, rushing the passer, he's stiff. I uh, can get stuck on blocks. Doesn't, doesn't do a lot in that first, first mover or first counter move. He's really more about cleanup sacks with his speed and his effort. Plus, uh, you know, being hard to move in the run game as he's improved on his, on, on his ability to be stout um, with technique that's, that's come along. So front set, you know, defense end, you already got Mitch, uh, Mitchell Gude. So, you know, that's a need that's being attacked. And then, uh, you know, the West Virginia, the West Virginia defensive end, I'm not pronounce his last name uh, from okay. Canada who, who, you know, I understand Miami feels very, very good about their chances of landing him. Uh, I'm talking to my folks at West Virginia. I actually know way too many West Virginia fans uh, as a Miami kid, but uh, they say that this guy was their best player and, and you watched him on film uh, kind of your similar Elijah Roberts, and actually a lot of guys on the team, kind of your, your defensive end, defensive tackle tweener, but he has enough ability to stay on the edge, I believe. And I think he wants to do that. So you could, we have a weakness right now at defensive end, starting to address it with a good day. I think uh, it will continue to be addressed, but that's uh that's certainly a weakness defensive tackle. You have a lot of guys that are in that 270 to 290 pound range, and you need some guys that are in that 310 pound range. So that is a need that I haven't heard a lot about fixing since Miami went after that uh, Oregon transfer who ended up at Auburn. So, you know, a 310 pound defensive tackle to me is a major need, just a, a big two gap and kind of guy, or just at least someone who can play that no spot and, and be hard to move. Um, I don't see that on the roster and you lost Sean the Ford, who's your biggest guy. So uh, that's, that, that's a weakness linebacker. We know the story there, although I'll say uh, Wayne Steed really, really improved did a nice job in the scrimmage counter Smith active. Um, 
But beyond that, you're going to see a lot of attrition. I don't know who's going to be on the roster. So you need bodies and you need impact guys. So that's a position you'll definitely see some additions. Chase Smith can't get back soon enough uh, at linebacker. Wesley Besaint uh, is is uh, banged up. He'll be in the mix, but you don't want to count on him because of that. You know, corner, I didn't list it as a strength. I wouldn't say it's a strength, but I'd say extremely improved. Uh, Adai is an unbelievable coach. And you can see that with the way these guys are competing, with the way they're finishing. They're, they're playing press quite uh, quite a bit better from what I've seen. Uh, you know, T-Rob, great recruiter. I don't know about his coaching. After seeing how the defensive backs kind of regressed last year, you're seeing steps forward, at least in practice, uh, under Adai. So that's an, that's an encouraging group overall. To Corey Couch, one guy in particular, I'd highlight as, as, a, as an improved player with that unit. Yeah, and that West Virginia D-line possible transfer, Akeem Mesador. You just want to make sure we threw that in there for people who might not know who we're talking about. But, um, yeah, we mentioned some of these transfer portal guys, got the strengths and weaknesses. Um, so now we're heading into the spring game, D-Money, and it's always it's always a, a little bit more of a step up. You always get a little bit more shine if you were able to perform in the spring game. You know, we hear a lot about the Green Tree All-Americans and guys that play well in practice but might not, you know, have what it takes to step up on game days. Now that the spring game isn't quite really a game day, but it is, it is a little bit more of an indicator than just a regular spring practice, a little bit more game situation, a little bit more game feel you know, that you get from the spring game. So uh, it's it's still always interesting to see, you know, who steps up, which players look strong, which position groups look stronger than others. Um, so, you know, what are you going to be looking for when it comes to the spring game? You know, what are, what are your kind of, uh, you know, things that you're going to be focusing on when it, it comes time to uh, watch this game at, uh, what is it, Pink Stadium? Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun to see that stadium. I I've never been there. Yeah, I can't um, believe the stadium I, name name that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it'll be uh, that'll be interesting. But yes, as far as what I'm looking for, um, I think first thing I always look for in these in these spring games and scrimmages is the running back performance because you can tackle. Uh, you don't see that really during practice. So who's going to step up as a running back when when it's full contact? Um, I think Parrish has done a solid job. Thad Franklin to me has really emerged as the top running back uh, he's caught the ball very very well for a bigger back he has natural hands basketball player and just has big mitts he's able to catch it with his hands he doesn't let it get into his body pluck it and he's quick too for his size so on angle routes uh, you know two-way goes he has the ability to shake defenders and, and, and make sharp cuts to get open it's not just a, a north south kind of guy despite his size um, and I thought he's done really really well first scrimmage uh, scored scored a touchdown overall looked pretty strong and, and then the second one was able to work between the tackles and, and squeeze out yards he's guys just not going to lose yards um, similar to, to Henry Parrish in that respect with the with the eyes and the, and the footwork but 40 pounds heavier so I think Parrish has done a good job Thad Franklin does a lot of the same things that Parrish does just with 40 pounds of size um, they both have speed issues they're not going to be the the you know the 50-yard touchdown guys, um, but with that, at least you get the extra size. So I'll be watching that position. Uh, wide receiver, that's a position where I think we definitely need a little bit more speed. You don't have that 4-4 game breaker right now uh, with that unit that you'd like if you're a Miami Hurricane fan. You're seeing it in recruiting. Um, that's why you're looking at Robbie Washington, um, you know, Jalen Brown possibly, Nate Joseph from, uh, committed to Clemson, keep an eye on that one. Um, just some explosiveness at that position, I think, is what, uh, what the staff would like to improve. Uh, with recruiting and, you know, maybe even transfer if the, if the opportunity presents itself. But uh, I'd like to see Jacoby, for, uh, Jacoby George can make some plays. He had a nice one-handed uh, catch at the, at, at the, I want to say the scrimmage. It was the, 
it was the, the teamwork that they did before the scrimmage on Saturday, but he had a nice one-handed catch uh, in traffic. He's done stuff like that all, uh, all camp. Not dominant by any means, but if you compare Jacoby George, what he's done to what Rambo did last year uh, in, in the same circumstance, George is just as good, if not better, probably a little better uh, in practice. We'll see if he can step that up in the game. Um, I'd like to see, you know, Brashard Smith and Frank Lanson have been up and down. Uh, definitely have not made the statement that they need to be on the field as starters. I think Restrepo certainly looked like the starting slot. Um, and then, at, you know, on the outside receiver, I don't see Ladson with the consistency to unseat either George or, or Keyshawn Smith. Um, so he's someone that will be interesting to watch. Can he be consistent uh, this week and then in the spring game uh, making plays and, and putting his name in the mix? Because he has size and speed. There's no question. His size is something that's missing, particularly if a guy like Michael Redding were to transfer somewhere to fall off his attrition. Uh, you, you, you know, you're going to need Ladson in that role. Um, so watching that and then uh, on the defensive line, I want to see Leonard Taylor have a big game. Leonard Taylor, somebody who the staff's really, really pushing hard. Um, Coming from that Manny Diaz defense, he has a tendency to kind of try to slip blocks, make plays in the backfield, which, you know, plays in the backfield are great, but you don't want to be washed out. You need to play with some physicality and some stoutness as well. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be at uh, Mark D'Onofrio 3-4 where you're two-gapping and, and, and not being a playmaker, but you got to have some physicality and stoutness and, and, uh, and, and gap integrity in this Kevin Steele defense and Taylor needs to wash away some of those bad habits while still maintaining that slipperiness, that athleticism that allows him to make plays in the backfield. He's done that. Um, he actually was, you know, benched temporarily as far as not being a starter uh, in the uh, first scrimmage Lichtenstein played over him, but he got his spot back very quickly. He's very hard to keep off the starting lineup uh, with his playmaking ability. And again, he's doing more and more of what he's coached to do. Um, so deep, you know, I want to see Cyrus Moss and, and, and Thomas Davis, some of these undersized defensive events, can they keep with the activity? Um, Moss is somebody who you look at him, he's skinny and he's not skinny in a way that you're like, all right, this guy's going to gain some weight like a Greg Rousseau. He's skinny, skinny. He's probably always going to be pretty skinny. Uh, maybe we'll always have that outside linebacker body, but this is someone with a natural feel for rushing, smart, tough. Uh, he's been able to, to, even against Zion Nelson, because since because of the lack of depth, he's played against the first team more than he probably would have otherwise. And he's held up at times uh, as a pass rusher. He has great bend. He has the ability to just keep the tackle off balance and move the tackle back a little bit more than his size should allow. But because of his just, again, ability to use his body, his technique, his motor, and, and his quickness, his change of direction, he can keep guys off balance and get to the quarterback even at his current size. Also has the ability to drop. Uh, I'm told that in terms of dropping, he gets as much depth as any of the linebackers. You know, he really has some athletic ability uh, that gives him, you know, a unique type of uh, versatile skill set, even as he's putting on weight. So he's one to watch. And then Thomas Davis was singled out by Cristobal after the second scrimmage. You know, he's done some nice things. I still, I still wonder if he's really a linebacker. If you're putting him in a, just a pass rush role, uh, he's interesting, especially with a guy like, you know, Chance Williams. So you're probably going to not want to play him on third down necessarily. Um, these guys have an opportunity to, to play a role and to cement themselves in a role. So uh, we'll be watching those guys. And then, you know, we'll see a linebacker, see who steps up again. Steed has done a really, really nice job. I think Steed and, and Keontra have separated themselves pretty clearly from Corey Flagg. And there's going to be reinforcements coming to that room. So who's going to hold on to their spot? We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be looking out for that.
Absolutely. And yeah, it's going to be, you know, the coaches want to see who can they give these roles to, who can they trust with these roles? And you mentioned consistency and it's really just all about that, bringing it every play, you know, everyone can make that flash play every now and again, but uh, who's going to uh, do the right thing and make the right block, get the right assignment, every single play, not make mistakes. Um, you know, that's how you gain the coach's trust, especially as a younger player. Uh, without the, the significant playing experience reps. So, uh, you know, that it goes a long way, you know, starting that this spring and in the spring game and, and carrying that type of momentum into the, into the summer. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll have to just see, you know, who uh, kind of emerges, but it's going to be interesting and uh, we'll definitely be following along. Uh, D Money, I just wanted to touch on, you know, we talked spring, but, uh, you know, kind of you kind of mentioned some recruits just now, but uh, Kane just got a big recruit today, um, earlier today. That's uh, Frankie Tinelau, um, from an offensive lineman uh, from Australia, actually a pretty interesting prospect, going to be moving to Miami over the summer and going to be playing his final season of high school ball in South Florida. But uh, again, offensive lineman, 6'5", 315, huge type of prospect and a guy with a huge learning curve that really started out playing rugby and uh, just started playing football at the age of 14. So he's got uh, a lot of upside, a lot of room for growth, um, really big type of boomer bust guy. But you got the size, you got the athleticism with this type of prospect. So I just wanted to hear your quick take before we wrap this up on uh, Mr. Frankie Tinelau. Yeah, Tinelau, we saw him at the, uh, at the Under Armour camp. You couldn't miss him with his size. Uh, moved pretty well, didn't get a ton of reps uh, for whatever reason, but you know, you can tell he can move, he's coordinated and he's, and he's lean, not a lot of fat. It's going to take some time to develop, um, but I'm excited to see what he does. Um, LaSalle, not a school known for football, but he'll get some quality coaching there. And um, you know, he's someone that's a crystal ball and mirror ball like to take on these kind of guys, body type guys uh, with toughness and coordination and flexibility that they can develop, even if they're not fully developed yet. I think Tinelau fits that bill. There will be some blue chippers added to this offensive line class, but this is someone who down the road, you know, just from a physical standpoint, matches those guys. So improving the body types there. Uh, you, also, Jonathan Dennis, uh, someone that I watched in high school, who's been added as a graduate transfer, or, uh, sorry, uh, just a normal transfer from Oregon, um, was in line to potentially start last year, got hurt, uh, was working his way back. Uh, I understand Mirabal is very, very high on Dennis, 6'3", you know, 300 big legs doesn't look huge on the upper body, but this guy's legs are tree trunks. They call him tow truck. He can really drive. And it's going to be interesting to see how that, that there's a, there's a, there's a kind of a, a group of guys that are like six foot to six, three guard center types, whether it's Ja'Kai Clark, big baby Seymour, Justice Alawasin, Logan Sagapolo for another Oregon transfer. And then Jonathan Dennis. So who's going to emerge from that group? If I had to bet my money, if he's healthy, I would say Dennis is going to be one of those uh, just because of his ability to drive people with his legs, which is lacking a little bit with these smaller guys. We just don't have that kind of strength. Uh, although, again, Logan, who, who came in, has really solidified that, that left guard job. So, you know, he, he came in and took the job and, 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 and won it um, opposite what's likely going to be Jalen Rivers. So is, is Dennis going to compete with his old friend there? Who knows how that's going to shake out, but with a lot of guys that are very similar body type wise, and I think Dennis only makes that competition more interesting. I mean, he talked about Amarius Mims, who uh, is coming from potentially coming from Georgia, a uh, big dude, you know, five star who Miami is going to be very, very, very much involved in as a potential tackle of the future. We'll talk about that on another, another podcast, hopefully, but overall, a lot of action on the offensive line. Tin allows a good ad. There's going to be more ads over the summer. Dennis is a good ad. And uh, they might not be done there. 
Yeah, Dennis, Tinelau, I mean, you knew Mario's uh, main priority was to upgrade this offensive line, bring in more size, bring in more aggressiveness. And uh, he's certainly done that with uh, these guys. Uh, Tinelau just also wanted to point out still uh, early offers from FSU, Arizona State, Maryland, some other of those power five schools. Um, and you just expect as he gets more comfortable at the position and in the game, he, that, that profile is just going to grow. So really interesting prospect there. And uh, we'll just have to see how it all wraps up. There's so much going on right now in Miami football. It's just, it's just from all different directions, but uh, it's always a fun time, D-Money. And uh, thanks for coming on. Also, you know, we got coming on um, later this week. You know, we're wrapping this one up, but uh, later this week, we're going to have our first guest. kind of been a while, but it's a big one, D-Money. Oh, yeah. You're talking about Jaden Rashada. Five-star quarterback, heavy interest in Miami, plays quarterback for the Miami Immortals. Um, everybody that was at that seven-on-seven seven that he competed in Dallas with the Immortals said it was unbelievable fireworks. I think one of the 247 guys said it was the best seven-on-seven seven performance from a quarterback he's ever seen. Guys like Jalen Brown, guys like Miami commitment uh, Robbie Washington are on that Miami Immortals team with Jaden Rashada. So, you know, fast forward a few years, and we're talking about this offense lacking a little bit of that that explosive downfield factor that you'd like to see. Add a Robbie Washington, add a Jalen Brown, put put Jaden Rashad at quarterback, and uh, it might look like it looked in Dallas, and it was pretty explosive uh, in that environment. So excited for you to talk to him, excited to hear what he's got to say. Um, this is going to be a very, very, very fun couple of months for Miami football. Yeah, absolutely. And that Rashada interview kind of be a standalone pod. It should be out later this week on Thursday, most likely. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, you know, aside from that, uh, this pretty much wraps up this edition of the Canes Insight Podcast. D-Money, thanks for taking the time as always. We kind, of, we kind of ran through some of these spring topics. I will have a detailed report on what I'm hearing in spring on Canes Insight by the time this pod comes out. So after you hear this, go to Canes Insight and check out that article and uh, it'll, uh, it'll get you up to speed on all the exclusive stuff. Uh, no one else has the kind of access and, and information we have uh, on spring football. So you're going to want to check that out. Absolutely. You guys know what to do. Stay locked into canesinsight.com for all the latest team news, recruiting news. And of course, the message board is always popping. For my guy, D Money, I'm Stefan, and we out.